Welcome back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly podcast that explores the world of Corey Matthews, Sean Hunter, and the entire John Adams gang. And uh, uh, we are two dads who spend every week looking back at the seminal sitcom. I am your number one dad this week, Brett, and on the digital airwaves with me is uh the number two dad apparently <laughs> tyler <laughs> <laughs> well next week you'll be the number one dad and i'll be number two <laughs> all right if you're the number two that's fine just don't take too long <laughs> uh i make no promises <laughs> Fair. so how are you doing this week tyler i'm doing all right brett uh you know we got the school season about to start um you know not to show people our hand and all but you know exciting time changes are happening and just nothing but chaos right now that's just the way it's supposed to be of course yeah and uh you know we're recording these a little bit in advance but uh in my neck of the woods school's already a week and a half into the school year we've been to two friday night football games already my uh, oldest is in the marching band and uh yeah so we're already in the thick of it that is crazy (laughs) yeah she's already getting ready for tryouts for the fall play i can't even believe it Uh, (laughs) i i'm not happy with your children growing i don't think they're allowed to (laughs) yeah unfortunately that happens even morgan will grow up yeah both of them (laughs) Exactly. So what do you say we dive into this week's episode? I think we should dive in. All right. So this week we're going to take a look at Boys to Mensa. And uh, let's start with their little synopsis here. This is the Halloween episode back when now younger viewers may not realize this, but in the days of 22 to 26 episode seasons of TV shows, you kind of had holiday themed episodes almost every season especially sitcoms that were uh aimed at family time and so you'd have your halloween episodes you'd have your christmas episodes sometimes you get a thing yeah uh, like uh the, the sitcom friends thanksgiving was their holiday uh you had a couple thanksgiving episodes in boy meets world that we'll get to Sometimes you'd have like a New Year's episode. Uh, We'll get to one of those. Mm -hmm. But this was our first Halloween episode. Not very Halloween-y, but yeah, for a first time, we'll get there. It's in the season. It is. So Corey cheats on an IQ test and decides to run with it. A Mensa representative comes to test him at home, so he finally comes clean to his parents and Feeney. I did not write this synopsis, but... Okay. Uh, <laughs> this was written by Jeanette Katichis Burley. I apologize if I butchered that name. Uh, direct- Thank you. <laughs> directed by David Trainer. Originally aired October 29th, 1993, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.5. So, uh, we start. In class, as uh, mm-hmm. as per usual, Corey is uh, taking his role as class clown up a notch. He's got this nice little red nos- uh, proboscis on. And you have unlocked the first deep dive of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we really need a little uh, stinger for your deep dives. I, I got to find one. I, I, I've got to, I've really got to. That's a shock. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about, because uh, we watched this the other day in Girl Meets World when Erica is there. He's like, you may be wondering why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. It's one so. of the best Girl Meets World episodes. Anywho, uh, so yes, Red Noses. Um, you know, this came up. This is something that just I feel like was a lot in like you found this in 90 shows quite often and into the early 2000s and just had me wondering what's the deal with the red nose um 
So the red nose, its origins can be traced back uh, to the uh, 1900s, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three brothers. Uh, the Frank Fratellinis, F-R-A-T-E-L-L-I-N-I-S. Um, anyway, Paul, uh, Francisco, and Albert... Uh, those guys uh, were these mo- or these uh, clones, trios, and they uh, would each have a different variation of uh, makeup on, but all of them would have a red nose. And one of them would be like the Joker is what they would refer to it as the one that was the one that had, a, you know, too baggy of clothes, would be the one that would fall a lot, so on and so forth. Um, and then I did find something else about another guy who, like, was, like, the first real, like, career clown that, like, traveled with a bunch of different circuses. I just didn't have time to write all about that guy. But just know that this has been around for many a years. Mm. So it's not yes. like it just came about in the <laughs> in the 90s. You know, it's always been kind of around. But, you know, just as clowns became more of a thing around parties, I'm sure. Um I'm sure Red Nose will come back around eventually. We'll do another deeper, deeper dive. All right. I look forward to (laughs) it. I'll bring my water wings. So uh, apparently the assignment that Mr. Feeney is handing back has to do with Captain Ahab. So this must Uh be a literature or language arts class because he enjoyed Minkus's haiku. The calm blue ocean. Sun lights up the monster's eye. He sees me. Whale food. <laughs> yes, Minkus uh, took the ex- went the extra mile to uh, <laughs> to write a, uh, a haiku for Mr. Feeney, mm-hmm. which gives us our <laughs> our uh, customary sniping between he and Sean back and forth. Brown noser. Chocolate eye. And once again, uh, we've brought this up on the podcast before. Mr. Feeney offering his commentary on students' uh, uh, work as he hands their pages back to them. Uh And Rick and Corey get the same grade, but different commentary on their work. And Corey has a problem with this. Yes, he does. He's almost offended, actually. Oh, I'd go for it. I'd, I'd say he is offended. I don't think he's almost. And so Mr. Feeney, uh, credit, he he pulls him aside for a sidebar. He doesn't just talk to him there. He pulls him aside mm-hmm. where Rick is not. And uh, right. Well, it's, it's like he doesn't want to belittle what Rick accomplished. Exactly, because he shares with Corey that Rick's effort that he gave on this assignment was genuine, and it shows mm-hmm. real effort. It shows real work. While Corey's, uh, it shows that he was coasting, and he was not giving his best effort. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, <laughs> Corey pulls out a, you know, Minkus gets away with everything. You know, how come when mm. I make paper airplanes, I get detention, but when Minkus makes them, you know, he gets, you know, nothing. And of course, we get this lovely shot of Minkus crafting a, a biplane with working propeller. So Corey withdraws the question and heads back to his <laughs> seat. How ridiculous is that, by the way? Like, what? how can that be just only made of paper? That's ridiculous. I, I do... I do believe 100% that that paper airplane was constructed with paper, but there was certainly glue used, and that was not constructed in the time that Minkus received his test back, and Corey and Mr. Feeney finished their sidebar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, this does raise a, a, a question for me while I was watching. Does Minkus get away with a lot? Because he's sitting there in class. Clearly, his paper airplanes are distracting at least Corey. Uh He gets to trade verbal barbs with Sean. He... Further on in this episode and in other instances, he flaunts his intelligence uh, to look down upon other students. Does Minkus actually get away with a lot because his grades are so good? 
Well, my only counter to that is Corey interrupts class quite often, and Feeny will allow them to go on sidebars and go into bets and whatnot. And, you know, I think he, he it's almost like, um, you know, like, in the old days, you know, when an actor would be out there and they'd have the hook, you know, almost ready to take him off. You know, they go just a little <laughs> bit too long or, you know, or at the Oscars, you know, they start playing the music. Um, you know, it feels like Feeney just it gives them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. OK, now you've gone too far. Now I need to shut this down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he gives every, all of them the chance. Um, it could just be that Corey and Minkus are the only ones that really take him up on that offer. Mm-hmm. Very well. I, I would argue Sean probably does, too. We just don't see it as much. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, part of the problem is that we're only seeing one class in which they're together all day long right now. Oh, yes. And we're only seeing half of that class. Right. So we're seeing like five minutes, maybe at most, of a class without assignment of turning back in. And so who knows, maybe Minkus was completely quiet the rest of the day, or he was talking back, you know, or doing something all day long. Maybe. I also just think sometimes Corey just gets jealous of the fact that Minkus gets his praises where he doesn't. Oh, I certainly agree. I mean, any sixth grader who is just seeing another sixth grader constantly praised and any, any time they see them doing something that uh, like pink, making paper airplanes where Corey gets in trouble with it. Minkus can get away with making paper airplanes. Of course they're going to draw that parallel and see, oh, they get away with it, but I get in trouble. So Corey's withdrawn his question. Yes. And whether <laughs> in this class or another winds up in detention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I did wonder. Uh, I was watching it today, and I'm like, "When did he get detention? Like, we didn't see Feeny hand out detention, but you know, I don't think he got it in Feeny's class. At least not this one. Yeah, um, I'm assuming he got it in another one. So Sean's waiting for him after he comes out. Uh, but Sean got detention in art class, and I, uh, I actually asked my oldest, who's a sophomore. What do you think would warrant a detention in an art class? Oh, gosh. (laughs) The only answer she could give me was drawing penises or boobs on the chalkboard. Yeah, that's the one I was figuring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't come up with much else. And yet, Sean is a legend. That's that's why he's the king. He gets detention in art class. Uh, I would imagine that Sean probably was drawing genitalia. And uh, it could have even been that he started to draw it and the art teacher said, knock it off. And he looked at her straight in the face and continued to draw it oh that could be so listeners uh hey if you've ever gotten detention in an art class let us know why and what you did to get detention <laughs> let us know what you yes. got in trouble in art class for yeah i can't remember ever getting in trouble in art class so let me know creative uh, expression <laughs> yeah yeah arts arts usually pretty loose boundaries uh mm-hmm. so they find this answer key to an IQ test in the trash can that's just I want to pause real quick (laughs) go ahead what is an IQ test quiz answer sheet doing just in the garbage okay like like, what this this is where the whole premise of the episode falls apart for me too um For for many reasons, and and let me go on this just tangent here. I wondered if you were going to do a deep dive on IQ tests, but um, I got some stuff on IQs. But go ahead, okay. give me a deep. Okay. Um, Tell me your your soap. Okay, first of all, uh, in 1993, uh, in my experience in public schools, uh, at least in Ohio, uh, granted, I was not in Philadelphia. But in Ohio, we had standardized testing uh, at the state level to gauge 
proficiency in reading and math uh, and other such subjects. IQ tests were not something that the state education system would ever have even considered administering. But on top of that, an IQ test is more, as I understand them, I've never taken a formal IQ test, so I've done the, the ones online. But an actual IQ test, as I understand them, incorporates more than just a written test. There's spatial reasoning and other forms of testing involved in an actual IQ test that, now granted, uh, we'll get to it later on, but if Mensa were truly involved in this, they would be going off more than just a test that is written in form. So. And yes, on top of all that, why would the answer key be thrown away prior to the test even being taken place? So yes, there's a whole lot of reasons that the the the, the conceit of this episode's plot just falls apart right there in the first act for me. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you completely, a hundred percent. Like the only the only 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 way possible in this world i can see that this test would be in the trash is because mr feeney put it there Mm -hmm. to test to see would Corey or sean or any other student potentially grab it yep and i i would also hesitate to even post to, to put that on Mr. Feeney because that, that seems outside of something he would put up as a test. But even going beyond that, where have we seen in the previous five episodes that Corey has the ability to re- to memorize and recall enough of this answer key to advance even beyond Minkus's knowledge levels when he could not remember enough to get past the first round of the geography B. Well, but again, though, the argument could be made. Feeney was only giving him the stuff that was going to be on their test. Mm-hmm. And the whole point was the test. Can he do well if his focus is on this? So maybe just maybe he actually showed that he has the ability to retain the knowledge when he has a motivation it's possible but again why would a public educator go this far to test one of his students who's to say seems (laughs) a little uh a little dark and twirling mustache villain for mr feeney to me it does (laughs) but this is also the man who was their kindergarten teacher all the way through college so (laughs) anywho uh so iq test yes uh the iq test as we understand it was developed by alfred uh bennett he was a french um psychologist um he was originally a lawyer actually Uh, But in 1904, the French government uh, made a law that every single child needed to attend school. And so they needed to devise a test to find out what uh, children needed extra help. You know, what level they were all at as they were entering the school so they could place them in the proper position. And this was originally uh, 30 questions for this test. And, you know, this test, which was, you know, formed in, again, 1904, essentially is exactly what is used today. You know, uh, it it depends on what one you're using, but it's, you know, the tests today are between 25 to 50 questions. So, I mean, the format of what it is, is almost the same. But again, their goal was to find out who was struggling, not who is the smartest, which I think a lot of times we talk about IQ. All we ever focus on is the high score, you know, that someone could get. And honestly, that's why I never took one, because I was like, I just don't want to know. I'm blissful <laughs> in the knowledge I have, and I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> well, can't argue with that. Yes. 
<laughs> so Corey and uh, Sean, they they take the uh, answer key, they head out, and that leads us to the next day and the first audio clip that I've pulled from the episode. I have in my hands the results of Tuesday's IQ test, and one person here deserves special mention. This person achieved not only the highest score in the class, not only the highest score in the school, but a score so high as to give rise to the question, is there in fact a ceiling on human intelligence? Please, Mr. Feeney, you're embarrassing me. Mr. Minkus, you came in second. Second? Mm-hmm. As in the context of not first? <laughs> Someone scored higher than I did on the IQ test? Blew you out of the academic water. Someone sitting in this very classroom is a junior Kierkegaard. A what? A great mind, Mr. Matthews, just like yours. I have clearly underrated you, and I bow to your genius. Come on. Bravo! It's no big thing, Mr. Feeney. On the contrary, Mr. Matthews, it is a big thing. It is a very big thing. How does Corey not understand and catch that Mr. Feeney is laying it on really thick there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I love the the little interaction there between uh, uh, Mr. Feeney and Minkus where... Minkus turns on a dime and he's gone from you're you're embarrassing me to what (laughs) he was blown (laughs) out of the academic water and this whole time while uh, Mr. Feeney is extolling the virtues of this anonymous student who's giving rise to this question of is there an upper level is there a limit to intelligence Corey is just sitting there and this is a family-friendly podcast, so we'll call it his poop-eating grin uh-huh. <laughs> that he has on his face. It's just, it's hilarious because he's just so smug. He knows exactly what's coming, and it's just, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And to watch him go from that to the look on his face to turn to Sean after Mr. Feeney ends his uh, his diatribe there... That that completely crestfallen. Uh oh, mm-hmm. I screwed up. It's just in the span of about thirty seconds. Is just it's hilarious. <laughs> well, and I think Feeney took to heart what Corey was saying beforehand. You know, you're constantly heaping all this praise upon Minkus, but what about us? What about me? Mm-hmm. And it's probably just the middle child in him coming out and being jealous of Minkus for getting the praise. But, you know, this is a good lesson for Minkus. It's almost like a puzzle to solve. How mm-hmm. did he do so much better than me? How is that possible? You know, and have him question and ponder. And, you know, I'm sure at some point he and Feeney had a conversation where Feeney told him what he did, you know. But... I think it also speaks to Minkus's hubris that he just assumes he's talking about him because normally he is. Yep. Uh, then we go to home. Finally. Ah, uh, yes. We spent a lot of time in the classroom up until this point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've been out of the school up to this point, but we're in the living room and Amy and Morgan are sitting on the couch. Amy's uh, rushing to get out of the house and they're talking about getting uh, Morgan's Halloween costume. And uh, <laughs> Kelly Figgis was by her costume today. Well... <laughs> And Amy really can't. Uh, and Morgan's just got this really snarky response. Here's your chance to try a little harder. <laughs> uh, okay, so real quick, just side tangent. We were, we've been talking about good and bad and you know what's the difference between when we're acting good or if we're bad and all that jazz. And so, like, we've just been kind of going with, like, okay, well, you know, we're having, like, we are good. And then my son will go, 
daddy is good, but sometimes he's bad. <laughs> it's like, you're not wrong, but you're hurting my feelings. <laughs> so uh, Eric comes in and he offers to uh, take Morgan to the mall to get uh, her costume picked out. So that, And Amy has in mind a, a costume that she wants Morgan to have. A question for you. Mm-hmm. Is this the first episode where, like, Eric is truly addressing Morgan as Weasel? Hmm. I don't remember. Because I feel like, and I could be wrong, I, I, I know more that, like, they've shot things kind of out of order for the first couple episodes, but, like, it feels like this episode, they're really hammering the fact that Weasel is the nickname that he came up for her. I think he may have say, said it like in passing, like an, epi- two, an episode or two ago, but it feels like this is the first time that they're like, Weasel is her nickname. That is the special mm-hmm. thing between them. It's definitely the first one they've they've emphasized it. I want to say that right. he's he's thrown it out there once or twice before. That Right, that's what I was thinking, but I'm like, this feels like, because in watching... Because I watched both episodes, uh, this one and the next one today, and I, re- I really heard them mention it both times. Mm-hmm. So, and then also I was listening to the third one uh, that was playing in the other room, so <laughs> heard that then as well. So, ah, uh, yes. So, oh, yes. But Eric agrees to be a good big brother. Yes, he's going to help out. Um, and he even offers to uh, show Morgan, let Morgan take the trash out for him. Mm-hmm. What am I, an idiot? <laughs> Uh, somehow, I don't know. I don't know if I'd trust Eric to pick out a Halloween costume for Morgan. But who oh, knows? come on. We'll, we'll see. Eric can be trusted. <laughs> so Sean and Corey rush in, run past, yep. go upstairs. Uh, I don't know if Amy noticed the sealed envelope, but she and Eric and Morgan all know enough to know that that's definitely not something good that they've run upstairs like that. Right. It's like they get there and immediately, Feeny knows. <laughs> but also, like, it does take into the count of what's the likelihood that Feeny gave them a call already and said, hey, just so you know, this is what's going on. This is what I'm expecting. I'm sending Corey home with something. Mm. Yeah, you know. because in, in the pilot episode, he did reach, you know, he did pop his head over the fence and let them know about Corey's detention before Corey mm-hmm. had an opportunity to tell them about it. So, you know, we've, we've got that precedent set that Feeney would have potentially, I mean, this is pretty big to just leave up to a letter that you send home to yeah. say, Hey, come talk to me after school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> well, and I'll also say like in the real world, you know, my parents got phone calls if anything occurred, you know. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, just so you know, this is what happened, so on and so forth. So, yeah. you know, and especially probably in this school environment, my assumption is that Amy and Alan are well known in their little community. So there's no way that they don't get a phone call, at least from Feeney or potentially administrator. Yeah. And it adds a little more credence to your theory of this all being set up by Mr. Feeney in that this letter was sent home in a blank white envelope, not branded with the school's letterhead or anything Mm -hmm. so that Sean and Corey can read it and reseal it in a blank white envelope that we have at home. Yeah. I, I do have to say, I enjoyed seeing Sean lead Corey by the nose through all of these little things that they go through mm-hmm. in the room. A little more mischievous this time around. Yeah. And I do uh, I do have their, uh, as Sean and Corey open the letter, here's what they find. Uh-oh. He's bringing in the SEA. What? The State Education Authority. They have special field agents who handle intelligence fraud. I'm cooked! I'm cooked, Sean! For the first time in my life, I'm in real trouble! <laughs> Not if I'm making all this up. Are you? No. I'm cooked! <laughs> Relax. Of course I'm making it up. Just wants to talk to your parents. What if he tells them he doesn't think I'm a genius? Who cares if Feeney doesn't think you're brilliant? As long as the test says so. But I'm not. And my parents know I'm not. Then you have to make them think you are. How do I do that? Get with the program, Corey. It's Halloween. 
And this year, you're going as a genius. That's right. It's Halloween, and Corey's mm-hmm. a genius. Well, he's going as Captain Kierkegaard, don't you know? That's right. <laughs> so, okay, real oh. quick. Uh, Kierkegaard has been mentioned twice now, so I do have a small deep dive on him. But I, I like the fact when that they said come up with that Captain Kirk Agard, like combining <laughs> Captain Kirk from uh, Star, yes. or, uh, Star Trek and the philosopher Kierkegaard. <laughs> do love me some Kierkegaard, and I do love me some Captain Kirk. So there you go. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, I, I'm always going to, I always say his name wrong, uh, his first name, but Soren Kierkegaard mm-hmm. uh, is a Danish theologian, philosopher, and poet. Born in 1813 and past 1855, is considered one of the greatest uh, mind as far as wisdom and uh, philosophy and, um, you know, is quoted a lot by professors, especially if you go to Geneva College. Geneva College, where That's we right. went to school. Yes, I knew that sounded familiar. Yes, um, but he lo- a lot against, um, you know, like state-run uh, religion, uh, which apparently was going on a lot in his time. And just so you guys know, you know, I, I did take a class on Kierkegaard. Do I remember anything from that class? Not really. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that is very firm about this time period in, in why we had philosophers and theologians is because literally that's what he was paid to do by a rich guy. And so, you know, a lot of these great minds who just, you know, all they had time was to write and to think, they had that time to do that because someone paid for them to live where they live. They didn't have to worry about where money was coming from. They literally just were paid to think and to do nothing but think. That's right. Um, Yeah, they didn't have to worry about their book deals and trying to tour around, you know, the country and whatnot and (laughs) answering tweets from people. They just thought, and that was their life. Yep. Uh, to be paid just to have to think. That'd be great. Yeah, but you probably have to be a lot smarter than we are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, hold a, I couldn't hold a candle to Captain Kierkegaard. Yeah. I'd give a shout-out to uh, Byron Curtis, probably the one few people from Geneva that I would say could be paid for to do that. Yes, uh, a little inside baseball, but uh, Byron Curtis is the only man, the only person I've ever known who had to take uh, dozens of pages out of his doctoral thesis because it was too long. But anyway, uh, back to <laughs> back to the episode. Uh, if you're a Geneva grad, uh, that's that's great stuff for you. But uh, if you're not a Geneva grad, that's not great radio for you. And if uh, you're not come. a Geneva grad, what are you doing here? <laughs> Seriously, go to Geneva. <laughs> uh, if uh, yeah, anyway, we come back from the break, and Corey is waiting in his room. Uh, he notices he's waiting for Alan and Amy to come back from uh, meeting Feeney at school because in the break he's given them a letter. They go to school yes. to meet with Feeney. And when he sees them pull in the drive, he turns on the radio to a Beethoven uh, uh, piano concerto symphony. And uh, he he's starts. He's got the foam finger on. <laughs> he's, Nothing he's, says intelligence like a foam finger. He's directing with his foam finger because to to uh, to convince his parents he really is a genius. He's going to do something he's never ever done before. <laughs> yes, I, I love how the end. He like at first like there's a part of me that was almost like I think Ben Savage the actor started to do things like with the beats and then there's a point where he's like oh no Corey wouldn't know how to do this so I need to like really go after it <laughs> I, I love the mind of a 6th grader just uh, what's what's smart classical mm-hmm. music I can direct yes. classical music and be a conductor uh, so yeah it makes sense yeah, for a 6th it's grader it's only Beethoven's do. yeah <laughs> It's it's just commercial in the baseball game, yeah. <laughs> so Are Alan they selling and- <laughs> cellos, <laughs> yeah. So Alan and Amy share with them they know about the IQ test, but to the viewer, it's pretty clear they don't believe the results. And uh, yes. we do have a clip from uh, what they want to share with Corey. Well, your father and I are having a little trouble understanding why your IQ test scores were way up here, and your report cards are well. <clears throat> down here you know 
I've been giving that some thought too, Mom. I've decided that what you're seeing is the flaw in our public education system. Yeah, I'm seeing the flaw. Because the way I see it, I didn't fail the system. The system failed me. That's the way you see it. What other explanation could there be, Dad? Mommy! Up here, Angel Face. I don't know, Court. Just seems that after 15 years of being a mother, I'd like to think I know my own children. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm going back to to the good parenting that we continue to bring up. Alan and Amy are here. They're not accusing. They're not letting Corey know that they know that he's not a genius. They're not insulting his intelligence. They're giving him every logical reason to come forward and come clean. And they're letting him, they're giving him the opportunity to do it without getting in trouble without embarrassing himself and you know he's just he's digging himself in further and further right well and you immediately get the sense that they don't want to just bring the hammer down and be like tell us the truth tell us exactly what's going on Did you do this? They're just like, okay, if you're going to continue in this lie, we will play along. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Your sins will find you out. I feel like that's a lot of their parenting, though, is Mm -hmm. if this is what you're telling us, we will believe you. We Mm -hmm. don't believe you, but we're going to go along with this until you tell us what the truth actually is. It's basically giving you enough rope to... to let you hang yourself with it, but mm-hmm. you know, we'll cut you down when it's too taut <laughs> to mix some metaphors there. Uh, so Eric and Morgan are home. Morgan comes up in her zombie costume. The undead are cool. Clearly not what Amy wanted. I love the eyeball. <laughs> oh, yes. The undead are cool. But yes. The weasel picked it out herself. <laughs> yes. Just the weasel. Got no help from anybody else. I'm sure Eric had nothing to say there. The undead are cool. <laughs> so, I call that the Morgan is cute for this episode. Oh, yes. Uh, so we transition to the next day at school. Sean and Corey are talking, sitting on their desks. Uh, they're talking about the whole situation. And their logical leaps they're making, because Corey is confessing he doesn't like lying to his parents. And so you know, we go, once again, we see that he's been brought up with a, a solid moral center to him. And he recognizes right from wrong. He knows he's doing something wrong. He does not want to continue, but he does feel trapped. Yep. But Sean is able to help him very quickly, very easily take these logical leaps from Corey not liking lying to his parents and being in the wrong to being innocent victims And it's just so incredibly convoluted and yet so simple for a sixth grade brain to arrive at. And I can see just about any middle schooler attempting the same rationalization in their situation and arriving at the same results. Because I've I've watched middle schoolers do this. (laughs) Oh, yes. I have watched many of them. I live with two of them that have. And it's it's completely normal for them to do it all over and over and not learn from it week after week after week. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. It's incredible. Yes. And uh, Minkus decides to uh, add his two cents. He's, uh, you know, if, if Corey's so much smarter than him, why is he always trying to copy his tests? And Sean's playing the good wingman. You know, not in a dating sense, but he's mm-hmm. just admiring the work of a fellow genius. And, mm-hmm. you know, Minkus offers to uh, to lift his paper up a little more so Corey can mm-hmm. can get a better view. And, and this is where we see that Minkus really doesn't believe it either, because Minkus is not going to go along with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have a question for you, Brett. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever cheated on a quiz or a test before? Not to my memory, no. Well, aren't you a minkus? <laughs> I, I was more of the minkus than the Corey in school, yes. Now, granted, in college, there were classes that I really didn't have to work in, so I, I could coast. And one of my capstone classes, classes because I had had all the same type of teaching throughout my first few years, I didn't really have to do anything in, and I could easily get some A's in it, earn solid A's throughout. And there was at least one other person who was very frustrated that I could consistently get A's without doing virtually anything. And mm -hmm. he would struggle to get B's while doing everything. No, I mean, I was typically more of a minkus than a Corey when it came to being a student. <laughs> Have you ever cheated on a test? Yes. <laughs> Not a test, a quiz. Big difference. <laughs> um, in seventh grade, we were in a computer lab. And I had, uh, we were doing a quiz and this kid and I were just close enough that I could see everything he was writing down. And I knew that he was just, we we're close to similar of intelligence and whatnot, you know, but I was like, I know he knows what he's doing, unlike me. And so <laughs> I did copy his answers. And then we got it back. We're sitting beside you. He goes, hey, man, we got the same ones right and wrong. I'm like, <laughs> what's the coincidence of that? <laughs> I did feel really bad, and I was like, I can never do that again, or especially on a test, because I will never be able to live that down. I was like, ah, it's a quiz. <laughs> That's right. If you were Tyler's teacher for that class, you need to go re uh, rework his grades for that class. Yes. My apologies, Coach Ross. I am sorry for cheating on one quiz that I don't remember anything from. <laughs> Make him retake it. But I never cheated after that, other than on homework. That's different. <laughs> Other than on homework. <laughs> uh, so Corey gets called out of class, and uh, Mr. Feeney wants to have some words with him. Tell my mom I went out like a man. Because due to his such high results from his IQ test, he is too far advanced to remain in the school. And Mr. Feeney wants to give him one last shot to come clean about anything to, to talk. They're in the cafeteria yep. and, you know. Well, Feeney brought in a substitute or another teacher to specifically make sure he can sit down and talk directly with Corey. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, to be able to do this in during the school day and to do, have this one-on-one -on -one with Corey, it really speaks volumes of just how much he invests into Corey and his education. And, you know, he offers to speak with Corey about sports, the weather, the inevitable ramifications of deception. Um, <laughs> I choose sports. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> there are none where you're going. <laughs> what do they do there? They study hard. <laughs> what, do, what do they do for sports? They study till they sweat. <laughs> exactly. There is a highly spirited chess team. And Corey, Corey really wants to stay uh, at, at his school. The, you know, he offers to teach a class with Mr. Feeney. Two guys with IQs teaching a class. <laughs> Not even high IQs, just two guys with IQs. <laughs> just two guys with IQs. I love that. And, uh, but Mr. Feeney just kind of lays it all on the line like this. The school district is committed to giving gifted children everything they deserve. And I think you deserve everything you're going to get. I don't really think I deserve anything. Oh, but according to the test you do. Mr. Feeney, I'm smart enough to know you don't really think I'm a genius. Mr. Matthews, it no longer matters what I think. What matters is you're no longer in my class. Don't you love Halloween? No one is what they seem to be. Love that. Such a such a deep parting word from Mr. Feeney. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we transition out to a break. We come back. Sean is walking into Corey's room, and Corey just lets loose on him with a bunch of Nerf balls from a Nerf gun, and then unloads on, unloads on him verbally about no longer being able to have weekends or really be a kid because 
he doesn't get to have a weekend because he's searching for Bobby Fisher because geniuses go to a special school. Yes. Would you like to know a little bit about Bobby Fisher? I would love to know more about Bobby Fisher. So Bobby Fisher is an American chess grandmaster and 11-plus chess champion, considered a chess prodigy, prodigy uh, won the U.S. Chess Championship eight times, and in 1972, won World Chess Championship. Uh, there is an awesome episode of Drunk History about this guy. Uh, I think it's about <laughs> him winning the Worlds. I'll tell you that I had someone helping me do this one because I had stuff that I was dealing with. And I was like, then you look up stuff about Bobby Fisher. And she immediately goes, Bobby Fisher, where is he? I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know. Just write stuff down. And she goes, here's an interesting thing. Apparently, the U.S. was having issues with a country and he was going to go play chess with a guy from that country and was ordered by the United States government to not go to their country to play chess with this person. He did it. And so the U.S. put out a warrant for his arrest because uh, now he was considered uh, against the country. I think it was like Guatemala, I want to say, but I could be wrong. I can't fully remember it. She started saying to me, she's like, this is so interesting. Anyway, he ended up, I believe, in... Oh, crap. I wish I would have written it down. She should have written it for me. But anyway a crazy end to his life where he was this American hero and then he later on became not an American hero because he didn't listen to the government man which probably makes now he is an American hero. Today that would make him a massive hero to a lot of people. That's right people, we are just as good as drunk history here on the Dad's Meat World podcast. Yes, exactly. Bugger. That's exactly just as good as them. <laughs> <laughs> Booger? Yes, booger. That's so cute. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, Sean kind of gives Corey some encouragement, though, of like, hey, man, you don't have the answers. You're not a genius. So do your best. That's right. I do have a, a lovely, uh, a nice clip of what Sean gives, uh, the advice he gives to Corey. Hey, idiot. What? Are you a genius? No. Do you have the answers to this test? No. You kind of see where I'm going with this? You want me to throw the test? Oh, no, no, no. I want you to take the test to the best of your ability. And no guessing. I wouldn't want you to stumble into a right answer. Oh, just so much sarcasm throwing around in that room. Yes. So Sean wants him to take the test. Uh, Corey, <laughs> Corey has bought into his own... <laughs> he's bought his own hype. He really, yes. he knows he's not a genius, but he expects to pass this IQ test and be mm -hmm. proved a genius. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, man. I don't understand. This gets into probably my least favorite part of this whole episode, though. Yeah. The snobby British lady. <laughs> There's a lot of shade. Let's let's explore the shade. So Amy, Allen, and the proctor of this test uh, are down in the living room. And we find out her name is Mrs. Bertram. And they're all chatting on the couch while Corey's taking the test in the background. And Mrs. Bertram is played by Jane Carr. She yes. has a long and distinguished career in Hollywood. She has 127 acting credits to her name. Yep. And she was active up until last year, 2021. Mm -hmm. She appeared in projects such as Perry Mason, Murphy Brown, Wings, Friends, Austin Powers, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Star Trek, Monk, Legends of Tomorrow, and a whole host of projects dating back to 1967. She was uh, the godmother in Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, she was. <laughs> also importantly, and the reason that I recognized her voice right away, is she plays Mama Cosmo in The Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, there you go. So. Uh, also, she's not related to Jimmy Carr, for the record. Wouldn't have put two and two together there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, Mrs. Bertram is looking down on Amy's role as what she calls housewife. And Alan corrects her and points out that she is a homemaker who wrangles three kids, runs a house, and sells real estate successfully. 
And then she turns in a cast dispersion upon Alan for working in a grocery store. <laughs> and Amy jumps to his defense, pointing out that Alan is the manager of the largest supermarket in the area. Well, tradesmen are so important and yet so little respected. And uh-huh. yet she does all of this. Uh, she does not speak with any respect toward either of them at all. Uh, for the record, if the pandemic hit like it hit us at this time period, Alan would still have a job. And at some point, they'd figure out how to do real estate. I don't know if snooty uh, British lady would have a job anymore. She might be one of the first ones to be let go at that school if all she is is out proctoring tests yeah Uh (laughs) yeah i think she might be uh non-essential personnel at that school (laughs) yeah but she was right tradesmen are important and they are so little respected it took a pandemic to to see just how important a lot of those people and those jobs are she tries to see if the genes that created the genius Corey are (laughs) were uh gifted to uh Morgan as well, who is wearing mismatched clothes, and uh, Maple is to Elm as Daisy is to Booger. And jeans are so tricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just this woman is just. I would have shown her the door long before Alan did. Uh, <laughs> yes, but, Alan was a lot nicer than I think either you or I would have been. Oh yes. And so Corey finishes the test before she expected him to. Uh, she pulls out the answer key, and uh, Alan and Amy kind of give Corey this knowing look. We're gonna find. We're gonna see what we what we think we know is is to be true. And lots of hmms and hmms, and the test shows that uh, you know the test shows he's not a genius. Mrs. Bertram, on the other hand, does not believe Corey. Thinks he threw he's this average. test. <laughs> Well, she thinks he threw this test because he's afraid to go to the school and leave his other school behind. Yes, a very reasonable thing for a 12-year-old to do. Oh, yes. Reasonable to throw the second test because you can't admit that the first one is just highly abnormal. And uh, (laughs) just real quick, I love that he says to her, stop talking. Everything you say makes me sound smart. And right after that, it's perfect. Right after that is where our uh, final clip from the episode picks up. Mom, Dad, I found the answers to Feeney's test and memorized them. I'm not a genius. We kind of figured that. You did? Yeah, but we're glad you finally decided to come clean. You'll excuse me, but there are actual prodigies out there who deserve my attention and respect. I can't waste my time with normal people like you. Well, you'll excuse me, but normal people like us have raised our children to be normal kids. I'm sorry if they don't fit some arbitrary intellectual standard of yours. But we're not sorry that they're well brought up and completely normal. She's a zombie. You got a problem with that? You must be so proud. (laughs) You guys knew I wasn't a genius all along, didn't you? Yeah, I guess we did. How come you went along with me? Well, Corey, we would never accuse you of cheating. We had no proof that you did. We just hope you're smart enough to tell us the truth eventually. I wasn't even smart enough to do that until I was backed into a corner. I guess I blew it, huh? Yep. Grounded? Yep. Two weeks. I'll be in my room. Yes, you will be, starting the day after Halloween. You mean I can still have Halloween? As long as you don't go disguised as a boy who cheats on tests. I won't. That costume was totally wrong for me. Corey, you don't have to ever try to be something you're not. So from now on, I'll just wear my normal kid outfit. It always looked good on you. That's right. Uh... <laughs> Mrs. Bertram gets shown the door, Corey comes clean, and Alan and Amy show that their wait-and-see parenting uh, has proven right, and they mm-hmm. they show mercy and grace in, in the consequence portion, and they do allow Corey to have trick-or-treating, even... Mm-hmm. 
even in the midst of this uh, two-week grounding. What do you think about that? I love that, because, I mean, you're probably, like, the week away from Halloween, you know, at most. And so, what are the things that kids are most excited about throughout the year? Halloween, Christmas, sometimes Easter. You know, so one of the things that he's most excited for, and now he's thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to do this because I'm grounded. I'm like, no, you're going to be grounded, but after that. Yeah, so it shows, and it shows that they didn't just want to punish. It was a consequence. Mm -hmm. It wasn't out of anger and frustration. It was, it, it was, yeah, consequence is the right word. It was him learning a lesson and he knew it was coming well if you think about say like fresh prince of bel-air which is going on around the same time you know how often does ever is an episode end where will's getting grounded for like a month <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. um you know it, it's just a lot of parenting from a lot of different shows show that you need to be angry you need to yell and you need to really stay set uh set your foot down and make sure they're clear of who's in charge. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's just Corey coming to the realization I'm grounded, right? Yep. How long? Two weeks. <laughs> I think this is a great les- life lesson for Corey again. Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly seeing these life lessons, not just about being in the classroom, but about, you know, how do you live an honorable life? That's being right. Being willing to be truthful. Mm-hmm. And being truthful to who you actually are and who you're made to be. Now, to give a test to find out if my parents actually listen to this podcast, today we had a rainstorm in the area, and I had one of my father's saws outside that I wasn't able to get to in time. So that sucker got a little wet. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. Uh, I'm going to fire it up tomorrow. If I shock myself, I shock myself. Um, but, you know, it's, we were driving and we had to go stop and see them. And I go, do not tell your grandfather about what happened. He goes, Daddy, we need to tell the truth. <laughs> and my wife looked at me like, he's right. We need to tell the truth. And I'm like, well, we're not telling the truth right this moment. Luckily, we went on a walk first and then he forgot all about it. But this is going to be my test to find out if, uh, you know, my parents are listening. If they ask me about the wet saw situation. Hmm. All right, then. So uh, we transition back to the class because we've got to put a bow on everything. Bozo is resigning at the end of class, turns in his nose. Yes. I don't have a deep dive on Bozo, though. I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) Mr. Feeney lets uh, Corey know that all his students need to do to earn his respect is to try their hardest. And... uh, yeah, I, I really, I like that thought. I really, I really do appreciate that thought. And mm-hmm. uh, it kind of ends on this note of Corey uh, letting Mr. Feeney know that it's, he's, he's pretty cool. I'm cool. God help me. <laughs> and so we come back for the tag. There's trick-or-treaters at the Matthews door. Mr. Feeney comes over. He's, uh, his rulers are not going over well. He wants to borrow some candy. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? Rulers. Yeah, not a so, good uh, Halloween treat. So some, uh, some new trick-or-treaters come up, and one of them's trying to... Uh, it sounds kind of like Corey trying to butter up Mr. Feeney and mm-hmm. he, he pulls the mask up trying because you know, he thinks he's got him and it's definitely not Corey and he gives him all the rulers out of embarrassment and Amy comes and pulls him back in the kitchen and mm-hmm. oh, Corey and Sean are the other two trick-or-treaters and Corey's last line is and they say I'm not a genius <laughs> Well, I like the fact that they give Corey this moment of getting one up on Mr. Feeney. Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if Corey's always on the defensive and always learning things, you know, then he's not being a kid, for lack yep. of better wording. He needs to be able to have moments where he gets a small victory, you know. I agree. There needs to be a little bit here and there. <laughs> exactly. That was an episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was an episode. So uh, let's uh, step into the uh, the part of the episode where we learn what Mr. Feeney had to teach us. Tyler, what did uh, 
Mr. Feeney or the episode in general. What did you learn this week? I think the thing that will stick out to me the most is, you know, when Feeney says, to get my respect, you just have to try your best. And I, I think sometimes, especially in adulthood, we get caught up in all of the cliches, you know, of got to have a better job, got to have nicer things, got to do this, got to do that. And just the sheer effort of trying to do everything is exhausting. Um, and so to give other people the grace of, hey, you're just doing your best, man. That's all we can ask for. You know, sometimes our best is not that much, but sometimes our best is exactly what is needed. And so mm-hmm. just being willing to give people the grace that, hey, this is the best effort they can give right now. And that's all we can ask of them. What did you learn, Brett? Uh, I learned something very simple. Um, you know, just be yourself. Don't try to meet what you perceive to be the expectations of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought about uh, the movie uh, Just Friends where the mom sings on the phone, be yourself, be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. Be yourself. That is the best thing you can be is to be yourself. Yep. Brett, what uh, what grade would you give this episode? Ah, well, I, I was a little bit rough on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing as how we have no confirmation that this was all set up by Mr. Feeney, and um, I like to think that if it was, we would have during the episode, and that this is left to uh, headcanon fan theory or just sheer happenstance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving it a C plus. Yeah, that's fair. Very yeah. fair. I mean, I there's think- there's some gold to be mined in it, and there's some good stuff in it. But like, Mrs. Bertram is very off putting. Yes. The the i the whole idea of a, just uh, the school giving them an IQ test is just it very much bugs me. <laughs> right. Well, the fact that they gave an IQ test and from that one test, they're willing to decide if someone is not, is too smart to be at the school. And it, it stretches the, the level of uh, suspension of disbelief for me, because if Minkus really is as smart as we're supposed to believe, he wouldn't be in that school if we're Correct. basing this level here. They kind of broke their own rules of reality. Yes. Well, and that's, on, I was going to say, honestly, my grade is a little harsher than yours because I would give it a C minus. Mm. Um, it, it, it is just for that reason. This episode drags. Like, when, last night we were going to sit down and watch an episode, and I go, oh, what's the next one I have to watch? Ugh this one like and it's not i say not the actress the british lady's fault she does a fantastic job i don't like her like this just i think there's also a part of me that's like they let the bit go on too long mm-hmm. you know like i know if mr fiend's like hey this is out of my hands nothing i can do the and that's the thing is if we found out at the last minute that mr feeney was like None of us expected you to go to the school and for you to find out that the British lady is just a friend of Mr. Feeney's who came to do him a favor. Like, that is the only way that is possible for this snobby British lady to come and, you know, like, it feels like her level of you're going to the school no matter what you do, you know, like it's it's at the same level as Feeney and the parents. So for her to be in on the con that would be more reasonable but then she's throwing insults at alan and amy which makes me go she's not part of it she's just a snooty lady who's annoying Mm -hmm. so you know unfortunately this episode drags a lot more than it should and it if they just had made it clear that, hey, this is an elaborate thing from Mr. Feeney to see if Corey's going to be truthful, then great. But it's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. And my heart of hearts, I can't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to give a D to any of these episodes. <laughs> like, this this one just barely passes the <laughs> not D category. Mm, yeah. Well... It's close. So yeah, it really is. 
So I have a dad joke for you before we uh, before we jump out of here. You do hit me I with. I do. It. Did you know that gravity is one of the most fundamental forces in the entire universe? It is. But if you remove it, you get gravy. <laughs> Very nice. Yes, so that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, gentle listeners, uh, I just, you know, I'd love for something to call our listeners. We need a nickname for our listeners. I don't remember if we, we brought do. that up. We do. Good looking people need something. Good looking people. For now, we'll call you good looking people. Good looking people, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, you can find us on the internet, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, at Dad's Meat World, across all of them. Tyler, where can we find you? Yep, you can find me hanging out on all those platforms. But, you know, if you want to talk to me directly, you can always go to Twitter, uh, Tyler uh, Volk on Twitter. Yep, and you can uh, find me directly on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Headley Art. That's where I put up all of my art stuff and uh, hang out periodically. I'll, I'll chat back at you. And we'll uh, we'll see you back here next week in Mr. Feeney's classroom where Tyler will be taking the wheel. He'll be dad number one and I'll be dad number two. So until next week, we'll see ya. Good looking. Bye, good looking. Find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. 